Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Low Blow Booking Podcast. My name is Derek Cornett, and I am coming at you live and in living color on your mobile listening devices. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight it is a very special episode of the Low Blow Booking Podcast. I'm going to welcome in a close personal friend of mine, Patrick Fenton. Uh, We're going to be wrapping up that monumental trade that we did to take a look back at the year 1992 with WCW and the WWF. I want to bring Patrick in. Patrick, how's it going this evening? It's wonderful. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. I want to ask the first things first. How is 2CW, and how was your opportunity to be a referee? It was fantastic. Uh, 2CW is doing well, and uh, I finally got to get in the ring and referee at uh, our 10th Living on the Edge, uh, so our starting our 10th full year at 2CW. And uh, it was a quick match. Uh, I didn't screw up too much. So uh, they, they let me live. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, Patrick, I don't know if you and I, I think we've talked a little bit, but I did do, um, I, I wrestled in the Indies here in Minnesota, Wisconsin. Um, got an opportunity to wrestle out in Utah. Um, so I was, you know, pretty seasoned for what I was worth. And um, But when I started, I got to do a lot of refereeing. And I was always very animated as a referee, you know, putting over, um, you know, how the moves were and, and making sure that people understood that I'm just a little pawn in this big game of chess between these two competitors or four competitors. Um, and I, the best advice that I was ever given was make, make or treat every match as though you're in the Silver Dome in front of 93,000 people. Make sure everybody can see you. Make sure everybody can hear you. Um, and always put over, you know, what is going on in the ring. Don't do too much because you're a minor character, but you're also one of the most important figures because if you do things the right way, the match will go a lot more smoothly. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good advice, actually. I was always told to stay out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's the that's the hard thing is some people will say some shit like that, and it really irritates me because um, when I was a heel, I wanted the referee around me so I could mess with him. I wanted, you know, I remember a referee, I can't think of his name, I wrestled uh, down in Milwaukee, and he was there, and he would always work with me, you know, and uh, he would, you know, he'd give me a little bit, and then I had another one up in lacrosse who he would try to fight back, you know, and it was always great because the, the crowd got into that. They enjoyed, you know, seeing that little thing because I'm, you know, I was like a mix between a chicken shit heel and, you know, an arrogant person, you know, and, um, you know, for me to, to buck the authority that much, it always worked out pretty well in my favor. But I would say don't, you know, don't get out of the way of everything. Don't be in the way of spots. Don't be in the way of moves. But, you know, make make sure you're part of the match too because if you royally mess up, then, uh, you know, it will be it will be seen. Uh, when I wrestled down in, or up in, uh, I think it was Bemidji, uh, Minnesota, I had a referee who didn't speak English, and uh, we did a quick roll up. It was well the I mean we had the match, but the finish was going to be a backslide, and I was going to lose. And I guess the referee didn't get it when I told him he's going to pin me, and you count to three because. The fucking idiot counted one, two, and then he sat there and looked at me. And he didn't do the three count. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, my God, and I was so mad. And then so he set up another quick finish, and he did it again. One, two, and I, and I said, I said, fucking count to three. 
And then he did three, and of course I was irritated because I lost, but it just looked like shit because the guy didn't know what he was doing. And so I got up all hot and fucking pushed him over to the ground, a little bit stiff. I was a little mad, but, um, you know, it was just, it's one of those things, man. Refereeing is really important. And you go back and you look at some of those great matches in the NWA and WWE, and, you know, Tommy Young is a guy who comes to mind as somebody that was a great referee, somebody that I enjoyed watching a match that he was refereeing. And Brian Hildebrand was the other one. He was great. Yeah, I like both of them. Yeah. I totally agree with those. And uh, so we talk about WWE, uh, Joey Morello is always one of my favorites as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Very good. You know, just good, solid referees that, that really um, put the match on another level. You know, and when Tommy Young was in the match, you could you knew it was special. You knew it was big. It was important. It was, you know, a main event. And um, it was great to see that. So, um yeah, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Refereeing 101. Uh, check it, check it out. Uh, 2CW. You got any any shows coming up that you can tell people about? Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, June 20th, we're going to be working with a uh, local radio station, 95X, and we are doing uh, kind of like a rock and wrestling deal, where uh, there's going to be a concert, uh, you know, like a 12 hour concert going on, and in between each band, they're going to be doing wrestling matches because uh, it kind of kills the uh, time, so you're not just staring at the stage watching. Uh, you know, the roadies do their thing. So you turn around, you watch wrestling, and then by the time the match is over, you turn back around, the band's ready to go. That's awesome. Uh, we did that last year. It worked out really well. Uh, and then we're doing it again this year. Different venue, but it's going to be really awesome. Uh, it's actually a show that I won't be there, at least for the full day. I have other uh, commitments to go to. Uh, but then on July 19th, we have a show that we just booked in Oswego, New York. Uh, is the longest title of a show in history, and I couldn't even repeat it if I tried. <laughs> but it basically is that it's the only day that we could book the Young Bucks, so this is why we're nice. having that show. <laughs> nice. Well, again, I'm going to tell you at some point, I definitely, if I ever make it out to New York, you're going to have to uh, set me up for an opportunity to go out there and work with you guys, at least a referee or something. I I miss being in the sport. Um, I, I miss doing that stuff and um, I had a lot of fun for the five years that I did do it, so um, I appreciated it, and it's it's fun to go back and think about that stuff and watch some of the stuff on YouTube, but then I wake up in the morning and my back is completely shattered, so um, I know why I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> but Yeah, definitely, yeah, I, I know a bunch of guys that are in the same boat, And uh, but if you do ever make it out here, we'll make, we'll make something happen. Absolutely. All right, man, well, hey, we've, uh, we've spent some time talking about um, some of the fun things and, and, you know, just talking about why you and I um, enjoy this sport, you know, simply because of that. So let's get to business. Um, earlier in the year, you and I set out on this journey. It was um, the trade. Uh, let me go back and, and read what we did to set this thing up. The year is 1992. Needless to say, the world of wrestling is on its heels. For the first time in his career, Ric Flair is the world champion and is not the NWA world title. After recently winning the WWF Championship at the Royal Rumble, Ric Flair has taken the top spot in the WWF and put many pe- many men in their place. On the other side of the fence, WCW is under new management, Bill Watts stepping into power. Vince and Bill have decided to make some trades uh, to better each promotion. However, both men had some rules. We discussed that no champions would be traded. Um, and we would do these shows based off of the champions on January 21st, um, you know, for each of those promotions. Now, uh, both companies would be able to have nine shows. Now, you and I have already gone from um, February up until August, so we're going to be starting fresh with September. 
And the last thing that we talked about were um, keeping real-life events. When a wrestler leaves a promotion, unless they were drafted, like the British Bulldog, I drafted him initially, so I got to keep him all year. But if I wouldn't have drafted him, he would actually be coming to WCW at this point um, free and clear. So let's go back and look at the the four rounds that we did. Um, The first round, uh, WWF, you uh, selected Sting. Um, that was a big loss for me. You know, he was definitely one of my hallmark, one of my foundation guys. Um, I came right back uh, with WCW selecting Brett the Hitman Hart and then Macho Man Randy Savage. You took Ricky Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes. I took the British Bulldog and Shawn Michaels, and then you took Brian Pillman. So both of us came out of this thing pretty clean, um, you know, with some big names, Um is there anything before we get started into our shows that you want to um, remind the fans of um, before we really dive into uh, you know what we're going to be doing here over these next couple months um, for uh, the WWF? Uh, really, the only thing is that uh, because of the way that we did the draft and, and the time of year that we did it, that WrestleMania kind of took a dive uh, just because there wasn't enough time to do a whole lot of good storytelling. So my main show for the year really ends up being Survivor Series, I think. Um, even though as we get there and all of the guys I had planned for it kind of either uh, were traded away or leave the company, it kind of ends up being a one-match show. But at the initial beginning of that, that's kind of the direction I was headed was that I kind of lose WrestleMania, but I was trying to build towards Survivor Series. Absolutely. Um, and just for all those you know listening, this show was posted back in February um, it was the uh, the Low Blow Booking Podcast, episode number 10, The Trade 1992. And um, I think the biggest thing that came out of my um, trade was that I needed to establish these guys from the beginning. I, you know, I had the big um, Super Brawl 2 show in Milwaukee, um, and, and I did that by having Ron Simmons defeat Lex Luger to win the world title. Um, I wanted to do that switch quickly but then after that I kind of put him to the wayside um now coming into September um I'm looking at a couple of big things um if I go back and I talk to you about my great American bash uh match uh matches that I had there one of the big matches I had was Big Van Vader defeating Nikita Koloff in a Russian chain match um and I said back on that episode that there was going to be some controversy and that controversy was whether, you know, which man actually hit the top rope and won the match. Um, so during this time off between uh, between um, July and September, I've been having some big, um, big contests between some of the major players. And I really have got some time off. I mean, you're talking, um, you know, August. I don't have anything. Um, so coming into September... I've been having this huge U.S. Ta- or U.S. title tournament, and uh, also during this time, I've also gained a couple of people. Um, the first one being none other than Jake the Snake Roberts. Now, Jake the Snake Roberts is immediately coming in and having a feud with Randy Savage. I'm going to pick up right where we left off um, in the WWF, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have Jake tormenting Randy Savage. I still think there was so much. Um, that that feud could have done, and I think that they really fast-tracked it in the WWF because they wanted Savage to become the champion. So um, I'm bringing him in. Um, I've got the Super Invader, which is Hercules, and then I've also got Dick Slater. 
Now, um, the Clash of the Champions is Clash of the Champions 20. Um, the 20th anniversary um, kind of thing, even though that didn't make too much sense. It was the, the 20th episode that they did, the Clash of the Champions. So, um, again, I'm going to you know be doing... Um, getting all the celebrities there like they did. I thought that was a great thing. And um, I'm going to be doing my uh, a couple of big things here. So right now, Brett the Hitman Hart and the British Bulldog are my U.S. Tag Team Champions. My World Tag Team Champions and NWA Tag Team Champions are Terry Gordy and Steve Williams. My Television Champion is the British Bulldog. He's a dual champion. And my World Champion is Randy Savage. However, I need a U.S. heavyweight champion. So, on this night, in a tournament final, none other than Bret the Hitman Hart defeats Steve Austin to win the U.S. title. Um, I think both of these guys, you look at building up a big 16-man bracket, um, and with the way that they had television, you could have two to three ma- or two matches a-, a week leading up to this point. Um, and if you remember back, Austin and um, Anderson still have some cohesion, and they've been feuding with uh, Bret Hart and the British Bulldog. Um, so right there, I've got a great um, U.S. tournament final. Bret Hitman Hart walks out as a double champion, U.S. heavyweight champion and U.S. tag team champion. Um, then I go to my, uh, my WCW television championship match is actually another one. The British Bulldog and Arn Anderson go to a 15-minute draw. Um, again, getting the most out of uh, the British Bulldog that I can and putting over this real big feud between these four guys, and you've got multiple titles in the mix now. On this show, I also want to showcase two huge, huge guys for me. The first one being Shawn Michaels. As I said um, last time, Shawn is actually going to have Vinny Vegas uh, with him in his corner, and he's going to defeat Johnny B. Bad. I think at this moment in time, these guys could really have a great match. Um, Shawn Michaels, of course, going over big. He is set and primed for some big things. And then my next showcase is Big Van Vader and Barry Windham. Um, Barry is kind of a guy who's been on a slide here over the last couple months. I do have some plans for him in the future. Um, but tonight he goes down to Big Van Vader. And then we have our main event. And now this is a match that I really, really liked um, from the uh, original Clash of the Champions 20. And that was um, this eight-man Survivor Series match for all intents and purposes. Um but it's Randy Savage, Nikita Koloff, and the Steiner, brother, Steiner Brothers taking on Jake Roberts, Rick Rude, Terry Gordy, and Steve Williams. Um, I think in the end, I want the same result of Rick Rude and um, Jake Roberts being the survivors. Um, the Steiner Brothers are actually going to be collateral damage. They're going to be leaving after this show, so they're fine to lose. I don't have too big of plans for Nikita Koloff, so... Um, He's actually going to be having this issue with Vader, and um, Vader's going to cost him. I think Randy Savage could get a big win, um, you know, over a guy like a Steve Williams and a Terry Gordy. Um, but then when it comes down to it, just the numbers are too much. So um, coming out of the show, we've got a new U.S. champion. Um, we've also got uh, Randy Savage solidified as a world champion, but now he's got another big competitor, Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, and that kind of wraps up the Clash of the Champions 20. Uh, we'll be coming back in October for a, uh, a very interesting Halloween Havoc. Um, 
live from Philadelphia. So um, now, Patrick, you've got a Saturday night's main event on September 26th. Um, why don't you build up that show for us and let us know what you got going on. Sure. Uh, quickly review, uh, back at SummerSlam, I had set up a loose association with a heel faction. Uh, Ric Flair still be managed by Mr. Perfect uh, and Money Incorporated. So, you know, they're, they're kind of tied together. Um, not like an official name or anything like that, but they're just kind of loosely uh, together as like a stable. Uh, and my top matches at that show were Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat fighting for the Intercontinental title, which Ricky Steamboat caps. So he's the Intercontinental champion. Uh, I had Legion of Doom and Money Incorporated for the tag team titles. Um, Ryan Pillman, who is also the fourth member of that loose uh, association stable, helped them keep the tag titles, and so the few going forward are supposed to be Money Incorporated Legion of Doom, and as we'll see in the next show, that doesn't really work out. Uh, and then Sting and Flair have this big match that i drawn up all summer, uh, kind of using their old uh, feud from the NWA slash WCW. I knew it would be a good match, especially in Wembley Stadium, 80,000 people without the Rich Bulldog, I needed something. So they uh, they do like a 45-minute match, and Flair wins uh, with a figure four leg lock, and Ends up keeping Sting out of the action just for like a month or so. Nothing too dramatic, but I wanted to put over his finish and give Sting a reason why he has to be off and then to come back and bounce back. So as we go into Saturday's main event, um, obviously it's not a show that really happened. So I threw it in Tampa, Florida. I thought it'd be a fun place, Sun Dome. Like you said, September 26, 1992. And with most Saturday's main events, we start off with the main event first and we kind of work our way down. Uh, and so during that, uh, I had... Ricky Steamboat working house shows with Flair and doing uh, just a you know a loop building up to this. Uh, TV was just interviews. There was no really interaction. There was no uh, physical. I wanted to wait to the to the show because um, I needed somebody to step in. Obviously, like I said, Sting was out. So we go in here. The idea on the promos was kind of like the the Macho Man feud where. Flair would kind of come out and talk about being with Steamboat's lady, you know, his wife, and she doesn't appear on camera or nothing like that. I don't want to reenact that whole angle completely, but I just want to throw sprinkles of that feud in there just to give the feud, you know, the match some heat, because uh, people may not be familiar with their 89 feud. Uh, so for the people that didn't, you know, there's heat there, and the people that did, it's just another added little element. Um, and obviously, with, you know, it's going to be, uh, Flair retaining the title, um, probably some kind of like a DQ finish, uh, maybe they all run in, some kind of a schmoz so that Steve keeps strong, but Flair keeps the title, and we kind of keep, uh, like I said, building towards the Survivor Series, so now I'm giving Flair and his group a bunch of guys to uh, battle with so that we can have our big five-on-five, and uh, leading into that, kind of continuing that, in matches two and three was supposed to be Money Inc. in singles matches against the Legion of Doom. But as we all know, Hawk left the company right after SummerSlam. So that throws my plans into a big uh, fire. Uh, what I ended up doing is kind of what they did in real life. I bring Crush in as animal. Um, we don't announce him as the Legion of Doom. We just kind of bring it in as like animal says Hawk's gone um, for a little while because we didn't know what was really happening. Uh, Crush is going to step in because he's a good guy and we're, he's a good baby face that we're trying to build up. So it kind of gives him a little rub as being, uh, you know, friends with top baby faces. And in the first match, we have Animal versus IRS. And it's going to be a clean win for Animal because I want to keep baby face strong a little bit somehow. So Animal gets a big win with a big power slam. 
we go on to Ted DiBiase versus Crush. Because Crush is kind of billed as a rookie, but a monster, uh, Ted DiBiase is just going to outsmart him and get a win. Uh, I'm thinking, like, they do the turnbuckle spot where they lift up. You know, DiBiase gets him down on the ground. Jack Knife Cradle throws his feet on the ropes, gets the win. So the Heat Money Incorporated kind of keeps their heat, too. Uh, leading, you know, full going forward, keeps them strong as well. So they split one and one. And then match four is, on this card is Tatanka and Repo Man. Just a quick, you know, six, seven minute match. Competitive, but Tatanka wins easily, you know, gets the big Simone drop, gets the win. I just want to build Tatanka as an upcoming baby face. And we end the show with an interview with her player. Jack Tunney announces that on next month's show, because of the interference in the first match with the title, that they're going to have a Loverjack match, and uh, Flair, you know, is mad, but at the end of it, just announces that he has a friend that will be revealed during that title match, and that just kind of sets up the next month's Saturday Night's Main Event. And that's coming uh, on October 31st, right? That is correct. Awesome. All right. Hey, big stuff going here. Um like we talked about, now we're in the crux of um, the storylines and, and really pushing the guys that we want to push and putting them in the right spot. Um, and I think both of, both of us are going to be getting uh, an interesting little um, run here because we're going to be having guys leave left and right. Uh, so uh, let's talk about the number one guys leaving for me. Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers, are now gone. Um I, you know, I enjoy the Steiner brothers. Um, I thought that they had some value. And at this point, they were the only real babyface team that I had that was like a legit team start to finish. Um, so losing them kind of hurts. Um, let me run through what I've got going on here. Um, another guy that I lose is Vinny Vegas. He actually um, is gone at this point, and and he won't be back. He won't be sh- uh, won't be here anymore. Um, Terry Gordy is another guy that I won't have. Um, he and at this point, he was actually one of my World Tag Team and NWA Tag Team champions. So um, I've got some interesting stuff. Or actually, Vinny Vegas is not leaving. Sorry, um, Gordy is no longer here. Um, but I am bringing in uh, Masachono, um, a guy that came in uh, at this point. He was actually the NWA world champion. So I still have this weird flux of NWA titles and WCW titles, and I'm trying to get those together. Um, Like I talked about, those tag team titles were unified. But given the situation, we're going to have a little bit of controversy going into this big event in Philly. Um, Now, if you remember, this was the spin the wheel, make the deal um, Halloween Havoc, and I am going to keep it spin the wheel, make the deal. But let's see who's in that main event. First match on the card, um, I've got a WCW television title match, and this one is going to be hot, and this is exactly what happened, I believe, around this time, or it was in September, but I'm going to have Shawn Michaels defeat the British Bulldog and win the television championship. I'm going to replicate what um, Steve Austin did in WCW just a year earlier, and I'm going to have Shawn Michaels win that television championship, and he is going to defend it. And, and he's going to be a, a worker champion, um, somebody that everybody knows is going to deliver a great match. And, um, you know, he's just starting to come into his stride with his attitude and everything. It's going to be great to see him in that spot. Um, 
My second match is kind of a, a throwaway, but it's something that's, you know, pretty fun to see. And that would be Bobby Eaton defeating um, a brand new Shane Douglas coming in from the WWF. Um, pretty simple contest. Um, you know, two guys that are going to put together a nice 8 to 10 minute match. Um, something to keep the crowd going. Um, and then we come to another title match. Um, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch things up here a minute. Um, I'm actually going to have uh, a regular contest, one-on-one. Um, and this was a change that I made just a couple minutes ago. But I'm going to have Steve Austin defeat Ron Simmons. Now, Ron Simmons earlier in the year was the world champion. He has taken a colossal fall. Um, and I liked what that feud was with Cactus Jack that I had earlier in the year. And I'm actually going to start to rekindle some of that now. Um, because uh, setting up to this show, Ron Simmons was actually going to be a guy that um, was in a one-on-one contest to be Steve Williams' partner in his tag team title match later on this evening. And he lost to somebody. Um, and then, of course, those mind games continued here uh, with Cactus Jack and the Barbarian costing him a match against Austin. The next match on the card is a WCW US Championship match, and that is Bret Hart defeating Arn Anderson. Um, again, Bret Hart and British Bulldog US Tag Team Champions still. Br- uh, the Bulldog lost his title earlier, his TV title, um, but tonight Bret Hart uh, defends his US Championship, still a dual champion. Um, you know, kind of playing off that Canadian thing a little bit and talking about how he wants to, you know, he wants this title to be more than just the U.S. He wants it to be a North American thing and uh, and talking about, you know, how important that is to him. Um, then we go to a big match uh, with Big Van Vader and Nikita Koloff. Um, now, I can't do too much of a gimmick other than making it a no disqualification match. Um, and that's just Big Van Vader defeating Nikita Koloff. Um, Vader has got money written all over him. He ends his feud with Nikita, and in all honesty, Nikita's time is coming to an end. We come to the uh, next match on our card, and that is the NWA Heavyweight Championship. Rick Rude defeats Masachono by DQ. Um, These guys had a feud over in Japan, and they brought it over to the U.S. Um, Pretty simple contest, you know, nothing major. I don't know if I'm going to go with all the chicanery of Harley Race and um, all the referee stuff, but regardless, it's a simple match, something I'm keeping from the original card. Um, Rude does not win the title, however. I don't want another world championship in my promotion at this time, so um, Rude does not win the title, but he does win the match and looks strong. Now, as I stated earlier, um, the WCW Tag Team Championships were held by Gordy and Williams. Gordy is gone, um, and leading up to this contest, Steve Williams kind of does a little babyface turn and says that he is looking for a partner. Um, Ron Simmons says that he will do it, but then there's another guy, and that's Barry Windham. And Barry Windham comes up and says, hey, I've had a lot of experience being tag team uh, champion before. Ron Simmons says the same thing. We get a one-on-one match, and that leads to Cactus and uh, the Barbarian costing Ron Simmons his spot here. But it is actually Barry Windham and Steve Williams uh, facing Cactus Jack and the Barbarian. Now, Ron Simmons comes out and costs Cactus and the Barbarian their match. Um, So this actually solidifies Wyndham and Williams as the WCW and NWA Tag Team Champions um, leaving this this, uh, pay-per-view. Now, we go to our main event, WCW Championship, Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. Now, I looked this thing up, and here are the 10 matches um, that were, or 12 matches that were on there. The Russian Chain match, the I Quit match, 
dog collar match, steel cage match, barbed wire uh, match, lumberjack match, Prince of Darkness match, which I don't remember what that one was. It's a blindfold match. Okay, yep. Um, the Texas Death match, a First Blood match, Texas Bull Rope match, a Coal Miner's Glove match, and then a Spinner's Choice. So Randy Savage comes out, and he spins the wheel, and just for for my sake, is there one of these, Patrick, that you would like to see? Uh, no, I don't think one sticks out more than the other. Uh, maybe a steel cage, only because in other projects that I've done, when I've done redone 92 uh, angles, I've always wanted to have Savage and, and Roberts in a steel cage to climb that set. So uh, maybe that, but... Uh, there's a few other ones in there that I think would work well with that, too. And when I was looking at this, the one that jumped out to me was a first blood match. Yeah. That one, I think, was something that would be... Uh, this is a blood feud from beginning to end. And I think on this night, um, Randy Savage defeats Jake Roberts to retain the world championship. And he does it in the first blood match. He makes Jake bleed. And I think that just fuels the fire for these two guys because they're going to keep going at one another. They're going to keep running. But the problem is is that I lose Jake Roberts after this show because he doesn't wrestle anymore. Um, Jake Roberts actually goes into the booth here for a couple months and then vanishes from WCW thanks to Bill Watts. So um, a good match for Savage, a great you know mini feud to get him through the fall, um, setting up into what we're going to be going into here uh, later in the in the end of the winter here. Um, again, like I said, I lose Jake Roberts after the show. Um, and then there's another angle that I have um, after this show that I want to put over. Um, Barry Windham kind of turns his back on Steve Williams and says, well, I'm the one that made the fall. I'm the one that made the pin in that match against Cactus and Barbarian. So I'm actually more the champion than you are. And Williams says, well, I was the one that brought the titles to the match. So on, a, on an episode of uh, you know, television here, maybe a Saturday night, something big, we set up this big match. It's a two-fall matchup. Um, and, and you could do it in one night, or you could do it you know, over two weeks, or you could do it like on a Friday and a Sunday, um, that kind of thing. But um, the first fall is for the NWA tag team titles, and the second fall is for the WCW tag team titles. Um, Wyndham wins the first fall. And Williams wins the second. Now, coming out of that, both of these men are tag team champions, but they're both solo wrestlers. So they're both looking for partners. And that's kind of a a fun angle that I run uh, going through November is these guys um, teaming up with other people, um, you know, a couple of different guys here and there, um, just setting up some good matches um, and and building to the culmination that I have coming up. but, yeah, that's my Halloween Havoc. Again, some controversy. Again, uh, losing people in the fall um, is, is a hardship that both of us have going on. So, um, yeah, that kind of finishes up Halloween Havoc. So you've got a Saturday's main event coming up on October 31st. What do you got going on for this one? I do. Uh, there's one thing I want to I say. I think I mistakenly said that Ricky Steamboat kept the title at SummerSlam. He didn't. Dustin Rose won the title. That freed him up for the Ric Flair feud. I just uh, – I think I caught myself saying that. So I just want to correct that for anybody that would uh, scream at me later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so going into the Halloween Havoc, or excuse me, the uh, Halloween show that we have for Saturday's Main Event. Um, Are you going to theme it and yeah. have everybody in costume? 
there are segments. I do I do have that in my notes at the end. I do have random goofy Halloween segments. I didn't actually plan out what they would be because that's just not my thing. Um, I would let somebody who's way more creative than me uh, to do that. But I do have random goofy Halloween segments. Uh, Vince McMahon, Bobby Heenan doing commentary. Both of them are going to be dressed up in, in different kind of uh, costumes leading into it. Um, so, yeah, I do want to keep a Halloween theme. Just because it's Halloween, what the hell, you gotta do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my first match, again, uh, like I said, working main event down, because that's Saturday, I mean, that's the way that Saturday's main event was. Uh, the announced Lumberjack match for the title, Ricky Steamboat the Challenger, Ric Flair's the champion. Uh, this is my huge build for the Survivor Series. Um, like I said, people coming and going, it kind of screws with all those plans, but, uh, Flair wins with the help of his new stablemate, Razor Ramon, because he debuted just a little sh- uh, sooner. And in real life, they had teamed up back in the early September. I held off to this show because I wanted to build him up as as somebody on TV um, and Flair kind of teasing who it was. And it wasn't like it was a big surprise. I think people could probably figure it out. But it was just something that I wanted to build Razor as an upper mid-card uh, can be thrown into a main event kind of, kind of guy. Uh, this is the match that Sting also returns. He's just a lumberjack for the for the match, but it kind of ends up being when Flair wins with Razor helping, it ends up being kind of a brawl at the end with all of the guys just battling it out, uh, and uh, the locker room clears to try to settle things down. When we come back for match number two, it is Dustin Rose defending the Intercontinental title against Rick Martel. Um... The IC title is always known as a worker's title. We know that. I, I kind of had that with Ricky Steamboat throughout the summer. That's why I put it on him. That's why I had the match with him and Dustin. Um, with the departures that I had going and with the angle I did with Sting, I had to take Steamboat, the belt off Steamboat so I could put him in the with Flair. So I wanted to give it to Dustin, who's another guy I drafted. And I had built him up as a good mid-card guy, and now I'm giving him a run at like the upper mid-card with the IC title. And I needed to give him a good match somebody he could work with. I think Rick Martell and him would have a fantastic match. I don't know if they ever really did or not, but I think that this would be a great intercontinental title style match and giving Dustin a big win with the Bulldog, uh, establishing him with the title on a, on a big show. Uh, and then moving along to match number three, again, same kind of idea. Money Incorporated is defending against the natural disasters. It's just, uh, I want to give them a good tag title defense on TV uh, you know, they have squash matches, but never for the title. This is going to be for the titles against Natural Disasters. Um, I just, the champions need to have some TV time, and they need to have a, a win. So I gave that to them. The big build-up was for the Survivor Series. So during the show, we get the teams announced throughout the show. Uh, it's kind of a teaser, like during each segment, we're going to announce one team and another team. Um, so during the show with Gene Oakland, we interview... Rick Flair, and he brings out Morning Incorporated. He brings up Brian Pillman. And to nobody's surprise, after what happened in the main event, Razor Ramon's his fifth guy. Uh, the final segment of the night is Gene in the ring, or the uh, podium, excuse me. And the final segment is him with Sting. And Sting's team is going to be with Ricky Steamboat, Dustin Rose, and the Ultimate Warrior, because at this point the Warrior is still around. But as we know, he goes away too. So there will be a change going into November. They don't announce the fifth man yet because um, it was kind of a tease. It's like staying kind of playing with them. Well, now you have Razor. Uh, you know, we're going to play a little mind games with you. We're not going to announce the fifth guy yet. 
Uh, and then as the TV angles build up throughout that, we're going to uh, announce that. And for the TV between here and there, with Razor coming aboard, Mr. Perfect, who is still seconding Ric Flair exclusively, has a problem with this. He doesn't trust Razor. We show a lot of tension between there. And then announced leading into the weekend of Survivor Series, the fifth man will be Mr. Perfect. Because they're going to do basically kind of what happened. Uh, uh, not a primetime angle where, like, he just beats up on Bobby Heenan and dumps water on his head. But it's going to be like, you know, Flair's like, well, you're going to have to choose to be with us or be against us. And Perfect's like, I can't trust Razor. I, that means if you pick him, I can't trust you. I'm out. And then Sting and then bring him on as the fifth member of the team that is announced going into the Survivor Series. That's awesome. I like that angle a lot. Um, I like the old school Survivor Series. Um, just great stuff. Um, I, you know, that's one that I really wish I could. <laughs> I love booking the Survivor Series. So um, a good end to October for you. Um, a great way to build up your, you know, your biggest fall show. And, um, you know, definitely some props there. Um now, November is gimmick month, um, so I might as well uh, gimmick up myself, and we're actually going to do Battle Bowl. Um, now, this was originally supposed to happen at Starcade, but I switched things up, and I made this its own uh, Clash of the Champions number 21 from Macon, Georgia. And in, in all reality, this is what Battle Bowl should have been. Um, and, you know, on this card, um, I've got... Six Battle Bowl matches, um, and then I've got uh, a World Championship match. So um, a pretty big show. This one's going roughly around two and a half hours. Um, you know, definitely some some steam, and uh, we'll see what happens. So um, I've got a couple of new guys coming in here, um, and like I said, uh, I lose you know some main dudes. So um, let's go through this. Um, first Battle Bowl match of the night is Barry Windham and Diamond Dallas Page against Shawn Michaels and Shanghai Pierce. Um, I like where Barry Windham is going at this point. Um, and I like, you know, Diamond Dallas Page was doable in the ring. Um, now, Shawn Michaels and Shanghai Pierce. Uh, Michaels is great, but uh, it's actually Shanghai who ends up costing the match. And I think Michaels gets some heat because he beats the shit out of Shanghai when it's all said and done. Um Gives him a nice super kick and, and walks off in the sunset, you know, with his television championship um, still in tow. So um, I think he's okay there. He's not going to have too much hurt um, from that contest. Next match I've got is a very interesting contest. Um, it's Arn Anderson and Rick Rude versus Kensuke Sasaki, who's coming in from Japan, and Steve Austin. Um <laughs> This one was very hard, and, and I'll be honest, I actually picked these teams at random. I did a generator. Um, I did it three times, and then I, I, I took this one. Um, I hated having Austin and Sasaki lose, but uh, Anderson and Rude have a lot more going for them. And in the end, it's actually Anderson and Rude and Austin beating up Sasaki, um, you know, building off of that Masachono feud, and also Anderson and Austin, who are looking to um, regain um, some tag team flavor uh, in their lives. My third match is Scotty Flamingo, a new guy coming in, and Shane Douglas taking on Paul Orndorff and Vader. Um, this is the Vader show. He destroys everybody. Um, he wins the match, and then he also even goes after his partner, so... Um, some interesting stuff going on there. My fourth match is Bobby Eaton and the British Bulldog versus the Barbarian and Marcus Bagwell. 
Um, you know, very eclectic contest here, but um, in the end, I've got Eaton and Bulldog going over the Barbarian and Bagwell. Um, moving forward, two Cold Scorpio and Van Hammer, two newer guys coming in, and they actually face Vinny Vegas and Steve Williams. Um, I like, you know, where Vegas can go, and I'm going to use him while I can because I don't have him for too much longer. Um, and then him and Williams, of course, Williams is a WCW Tag Team Champion, um, so their size takes out Too Cold and Van Hammer. Uh, and then my final Battle Bowl match is Johnny B. Bad and Tex Slasinger versus Ron Simmons and Bret Hart. Absolutely no chance in hell um, for Bad and uh, Slasinger here. Ron Simmons and Bret Hart move on. And then I'll have my world title um, matchup, and it's actually going to be Randy Savage and Cactus Jack. Um, Cactus has been a guy that's been pining away. It was originally supposed to be Jake Roberts, um, but he, you know, box out at the end and it ends up being Cactus who comes in. Um, again, Randy Savage with a good television win, um, solidifying himself as the world's champion for the better part of the year now. And, um, then we get a big announcement from Tony and Jesse that the winner of the Battle Bowl match is going to face Randy Savage at Starcade. Um, and that, Battle Bowl has got 12 men in it, Barry Windham, DDP, Arn Anderson, Rick Rude, Paul Lorndorff, Vader, Bobby Eaton, British Bulldog, Vinny Vegas, Steve Williams, Ron Simmons, and Bret Hart. Um, pretty good 12 men there. Um, obviously, 12 of the best guys that I have in the undercard. A um, couple of feuds going on, obviously. Uh, Windham and uh, Williams have their feud, uh, which boils over and causes them to um, you know, eliminate one another. Um, Anderson uh, in Austin against Bulldog and Brett is still a good feud that's been going on. Um, you know, that kind of takes those guys out. Rick Root is a guy that comes up and really steps up big. He has some good eliminations. Um, but in the end, this is the Vader show, like I said, and Vader um, is the last man standing. Uh, Root is the second to last man, um, and I think that says a lot about him. But in the end, um, you know, it, it comes down to uh, Vader getting the – um, it's actually Vader versus Simmons and um, Rude at the end. Or Simmons versus Vader and Rude. Um, Simmons is about to do something, but in the end it's Vader that gets the win. And um, going into Starcade, um, we have one match announced, and that is Big Van Vader versus Macho Man Randy Savage um, for the World's Heavyweight Championship. And uh, I've got some pretty big things coming up here Um for Starcade, and I, I'm really looking forward to uh, what's going to happen uh, with that world title. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's the best way for me to set up my end of the year feud. So um, I totally agree. Yeah, what what do we got going here? You got two shows in a row to finish this up. Okay, I do. Uh, let's see here. We're going to Survivor Series. Physic um, Man Bobby Heenan doing the call from Richfield, Ohio, and uh, I, I I did go back to the. Survivor Series concept for the most part. Um, my idea for Survivor Series at this point was if it's not going to be a Survivor Series match, it has to be a gimmick match because you can really uh, tag on to the Survivor Series, Survivor part of the Survivor Series where, like, you know, you have to survive this this uh, blood feud match or something uh, along those lines. And uh, so the first match I off with, and my other card's kind of depleted at this point, so uh, this is really just kind of lower mid-card guys, but uh, some some up-and-comers, uh, you know, got Crush and Tatanka, both guys, you know, uh, I've been pushing on TV, 
they team with Tito Santana, who's just a good a good you know, worker that I keep around for uh, a job for the stars type of role. But I try to give him some good competitive matches with with guys as well on TV. And then High Energy, who's a new tag team, that's uh, Coco Beware and Owen Hart. Uh, they've been probably teaming up for a few months on TV, but they haven't gotten a pay-per-view match yet. This is their big debut here. Uh, and then I get, have them against Kamala, who I, I don't push like they did in 92. Um, I kind of keep him as a lower mid-card heel. Uh, I might have plans for him in 93 if I were to continue. But at this point, just because he's only been out for a few months, I'm just keeping him here. Repo Man, Damian Demento is another guy who has debuted on TV, so I throw him in this match. And the Beverly Brothers, uh, you know, they're another team that have been around winning squash matches, uh, but not really too high on the card as of yet. Uh, my survivors of the match are going to be Crush and Tataka, because they are really, out of these ten guys, are really the only two I'm pushing at the moment. Um, so I give them both the survivor tag here. Uh, moving on to match number two, I have... The Big Boss Man versus Snails and a Nightstick match. Now, this is mostly just a syndicated TV feud. Um, I didn't talk about it much because I didn't want it on the TV. Because basically, Boss Man, this is his match back. So, Nails debuted in the summertime and, and took him out just like he did in real life. Uh, and then Nails had that one match at SummerSlam where he, he destroyed Virgil. Um, but on TV, he just beats up a bunch of jobbers and very low mid-card guys, like a Jim Powers or even like a Tito Santana might have a primetime match against him. So this is the big match where they're going to have their blow-off to the feud, just a one match. Um, they had worked a little bit of house shows before and after the Survivor Series in real life, so I would probably have run this match just as a singles match on the house shows uh, so people who go there realize that this is the big, big rematch, the, the big rematch that they're going to have. Uh, on the pay-per-view, and Bossman is going to go over. Um, I make this match a little bit more of like a hardcore feel. You know, there's going to be more weapons. Of course, the big night stick is the big uh, dangling stick that they go for. But they, you know, they they fight on the outside. They they throw each other on the rails. They might beat each other with a couple of chairs, um, that kind of thing. No blood or nothing like that. You know, I'm not going strictly, uh, you know, attitude error type stuff here. But we're just going to have a big brutal physical match. And the end, Nails uh, climbs up, grabs a nightstick. As he comes off the ropes, Bossman catches him with the Bossman slam, uh, picks up the nightstick, whacks him a couple times with it, gets a cover, uh, and goes over. So that's the end of that feud. That's the big gimmick match for them. Uh, Nails will go on to something. Uh, obviously, he leaves a company a little bit later on, but I would have brought him in to do something else afterwards. Uh, and then Bossman... Mid-level, B-face, uh, I would have probably just kept him out of a major feud right away just because he just got off this feud uh, going forward. So, I, you know, nothing in the plans at the moment, but they would have something in the future for him for winning this match. My third match is another Survivor Series match. Uh, this one is the Natural Disasters teaming with the Bushwhackers. And another debut, uh, Max Moon. And they are going to face the Head Shrinkers, the Nasty Boys, and Yokozuna. Uh, I like the pairing of Yokozuna and the Headshrinkers for uh, because of the Samoan thing. Uh, and I, original plans, I hear rumored, were that head, Yokozuna and the Headshrinkers were supposed to be a three-man team brought in. I like that idea, and I would keep that. So they are going to be my push commodities here, and they're the three survivors. They're just going to uh, – the disasters will eliminate the Nasty Boys to kind of keep that. That would be like a house show feud going, but – the Hedgehrickers and Yokozuna just destroy the other five. They just kill them all. Um, 
giving a, a monster push for the tag team, and you'll go as a singles guy, but they are a three-man destruction unit. Uh, and then my fourth match is, I'm keeping the casket match. Uh, well, it's, I'm making a casket match. It's not a coffin match. It's going to be a casket match. Uh, obviously, the Undertaker's involved, but this time I'm going to have him against Papa Shango. Like I said, I was not a big Kamala heel 92. I just didn't like that idea. So I brought Papa Shango in because uh, he just, I thought he had more to him than they ever used. So it's just a build on Superstars and Challenge. Lots of new stuff with Papa Shango trying to get his tricks over on Taker, but it doesn't really work. He tries everything, and it's just a big supernatural feud. Taker gets to do a couple of his little things uh, to start his supernatural idea that he had that was really big later on in his career. Uh, it starts here, and he obviously gets to win. He just, uh, good big brawl, another physical type match, much like the boss man nails. No weapons, no nothing like that. It's mostly just in ring. Uh, these guys just beat each other up, and Taker gets the big win. Uh, to cement that match as his match. And then my main event, my fifth match, is going to take up the majority of the show. This is going to be like an hour match. I mean, it's, it's got all of my big workers in it. Uh, it's my big feud I've had that I've been building up with a bunch of these guys intertwined the whole leading into it. Uh, as we know, the Ultimate Warrior was announced for the match. Uh, he leaves like 10 days before the show. On TV, we just say that the Warrior has left the company for unknown reasons. And that there will be an announcement night before the match. Uh, we go right up to match time. And Gene Orkland is in the back talking with Sting, Steve-O, Dustin, and Mr. Perfect. And they announce that their fifth man is the returning Bam Bam Bigelow. Can I get him right in at the end? Uh, he, he had just come back to the company. And I know he came up as a heel. And eventually I will turn him heel right away. But for this match, for what I need... Uh, I think he, he would fit perfect in here. I think like him and Razor would have a great little feud on the house show circuit leading after this. So I bring him in as the fifth guy. Um, so I lose Warrior. I lose Sid way earlier in the year. Uh, I wanted to bring Hogan in. He was going to be my fifth guy originally, but when we talked about the rules to the to the draft and what we're going to do, Hogan actually doesn't re-debut with WF until February of 93. So I kept him out. Um, and this bat is basically just a back and forth elimination. Uh, I'm going to have like Dustin go over Pillman because we've established. But it's going to be where Paul Pillman loses with the Bulldog, but as he's leaving the ring, he attacks Dustin, lays him out. So then Razor comes in, gets a quick pin. Dustin's out. Then I'm going to have uh, Bigelow and Razor do a double count out deal. Uh, I'm going to have. Razor, pick up the win over Mr. Perfect. So that leaves Money Incorporated, Razor. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. No, I didn't say that wrong. Razor's already out. I have Ric Flair get a win over Perfect. Um, but it's kind of like a low blow behind the referee back or something like that. And it leaves Steamboat Sting against Flair, Money Incorporated. And Sting and Steamboat just work really hard and get a couple of nice... Quick wins, you know, like uh, Inside Cradle, Small Package, uh, you know, Schoolboy, to get over Money Incorporated. Flair comes in, chops Steamboat's leg out from under him, gets a figure four, Steamboat passes out, referee calls it. He goes, Sting and Flair battle out for the last, like, ten minutes, back and forth. Uh, I'm going to reestablish Sting as a, a challenger to Flair again for the Rumble, and eventually Sting will r- win out, uh, hitting a big,
big superplex off the top. Uh, those two used to love that spot, and I think it would be a great way to end this match. Exhausted, pulls out this big move, gets the win, gets a shocking win. I think people would be shocked if Sting wins again. And then it's going to build up that match. Sting Flair for Royal Rumble um, as the next challenger. So it's my big match. It, it goes like an hour. Um, hopefully it ends up being the match that I envision it to be. Um, but based on all the changes that I had to make up throughout the year, it is what it is. But uh, I think there's 10 guys in there that could really go. And I think it would be the match that finishes my big my big show for the fall. Absolutely. I, I like it a lot. Um, you know, going with, going with your roster at this time, you kind of have to do what you did and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little difficult, I think, to put five man teams in there, but, um, the way you do it, I think it works out well. Um, I'm going to reference the second episode of the low blow booking podcast that Dave Hall and I did, uh, roughly a year ago, um, where, <coughs> excuse me, where we did, um, our retake of the 1992 Survivor Series, given all these people leaving, and, um, it's, it's a very convoluted mess, but, uh, you know, I think with you having guys like Sting and Steamboat and Rhodes, um, and then Bam Bam coming in, that's it, it's a huge opportunity for you to, to really have some good stuff going into that main event. I really like the idea of Razor and Bam Bam, um, I'd love to see that match and, and, you know, what those two guys could do together, um, at this point in their careers. Um, so yeah, I, I like that a lot. I, I think that's a great way to cap off your biggest event. Now you do have one more Saturday night's main event here. Um, how do you finish off your year of 92 with these new guys in it? Okay. Uh, I ended up having a tag match. Um, cause I don't want to have Slayer defend the belt again so soon, especially because my big build is to the Rumble. And basically, right after the I'm going to announce Sting and Flair for the Royal Rumble. Um, so that, I'm going to put them two in the, in the tag. And originally, I was going to have Sting and Perfect against Flair and Ramon, but based off of what I did with the Survivor Series match with Bigelow and Razor, I ended up having Sting and Bigelow team against Razor and Ramon. Um, and this is just going to need to advance both of the storylines. Um, I would have the heels go over just because I, I want to keep them strong too. And they had just lost the previous month and building up to the big matches I'm going to have at the pay-per-view, at the next pay-per-view. So, uh, you know, it's going to be some kind of chicanery, but Flair and Ramon are going to go over Sting and Bigelow. But I, I like that Bigelow-Ramon feud as well. I think that would be really good, especially with, how good of a worker both of those guys are and the big men that they are. Uh, it would be a really fun for you to see. And Sting and Flair, we all know that's just awesome all the time. And uh, so it's a big build for the Sting Flair 2 match. Um, and I would just basically, it's going to advance both of those feuds. Uh, my next match is going to be the Steiner Brothers debuting. This is their actual debut on TV. Um, and they're going to face the Nasty Boys. They're gonna, I'm going to show some you know uh, video clips of. How show matches that they, or TV taping dark matches that they had, but, and just clips of it, pointed together like there's these big athletic guys coming in, and they're tag team, they're worldwide known, give them a big, big pump up on TV, and they're gonna beat the Nasty Boys, and just a stiff, uh, a stiff Steiner Brothers Nasty Boys type of match, um, probably with, I don't wanna debut the Frankensteiner yet, so I'm probably just gonna do it with like the top rope bulldog, um, 
finish there. But the, the Steiners going to win. But it's just going to be a stiff, brutal, you know, ass kicking match that those guys do. My third match is going to be a squash. Yokozuna uh, versus Virgil. This is what actually happened at Survivor Series. It's just going to be 90 seconds of Yokozuna pounding Virgil into the mat and squashing him with the body drop. Um, and then kind of an unusual, you know, I have a little mixed to my Saturday night format is I end the mat, end, end the show with a Dustin Rose, Brian Pillman match. Uh, I'm on a bill these two guys because I think they're both really good workers. That's the idea I have behind my IC. I want to keep that up. But it's a non-title because uh, on TV they're going to have had a match and Dustin wins, but Brian keeps pushing that like Dustin's always cheating and he's always not. But he wants one more shot, kind of like the Randy Orton angle, or the Christian Randy Orton thing, where he wants one more shot, one more shot. So we're going to give it to him, but it's a non-title. But the deal is, if Pillman wins, he's going to get the title shot at the Royal Rumble, and he also gets to decide what the stipulation is. And Dustin's you know, uh, reaction to that would be, that's fine, but if you lose, you have to lose the WWE. You have to leave the WWE. And so we go into the match, and Brian Pillman does every dirty trick in the book that he can try to come up with to try to win, and he does. He'll eventually uh, pull out some brass knocks, knock Dustin out, toss him out of the ring, get the pin, grab some microphone, says, you and me at the for the IC title, and it's going to set up a steel cage match between the two. And that is how I end my 1992. Nice. Uh, you know, again, like we've talked about, we, we're, we've got the opportunity now to put all these guys and culminate the the work that we've done. Um, I, I like it a lot. I like what you've done. I um, I think that you're safe in keeping Flair the champion for as long as you've had him uh, be the champion. I think that um, it's interesting to see what your uh, Royal Rumble would look like, um, knowing that Flair is not going to be around too much longer, um, and just kind of how things are going to work out here for the two of us um, finishing off um, this colossal year of 92, which I think that you and I have made some improvements on what originally happened. Um, and I think if you were to switch up the talent at this time, it would definitely, uh, cause uh, some kinks and, and cause things to be different, which, um, would definitely, you know, be an interesting thing to, uh, to look at. So, um, let's go to December 28th, 1992. Uh, we're in Atlanta in the Omni. Uh, Tony Schiavone and Jim or uh, Jesse Ventura are calling the action um, for Starcade. With this show, I've got a lot of loose ends that I've got to put together, um, and I want to make sure that it's the absolute best that it can possibly be. So let's talk about some of the the big things coming up here. Um, I got a couple of guys coming in from Japan. Um, I've got Two Cold Scorpio, who is now a formidable member of the roster. Um, and I've got two other guys that I'm going to use in some different roles, and I'm going to get to it as we as we move forward to those moments. So, um, let's start with the first match on the card: Jushin Thunder Liger versus Scotty Flamingo. Um, Jushin Liger, you know, and Flamingo are going to fly around and have a great match. Um, I like Liger winning here. Um, you know, putting himself over as one of those guys that's going to be a television uh, title contender down the line. Um, Vinny Vegas defeats Van Hammer. Um, we're starting to see Vinny Vegas um, move away from Shawn Michaels a little bit and get some action in the ring. Um, again, this is a good match for him to go over a guy who's established and uh, you know starting to build a name for himself. 
Our third match is Marcus Bagwell and Shane Douglas, who I thought were a, could have been a great mid-card team in WCW. Um, they defeat Shanghai and Tex. Um, you know, I don't have too much for Shanghai and Tex Lassinger. I get, they're just fodder, in my opinion. You know, just two placeholder guys. Um, gives my young uh, up-and-comers a good, a good opportunity to get over here and, and look good on the card. Now, my number four match is a few that's been going for the better part of the year. It's the culmination, um, Ron Simmons against Cactus Jack and the Barbarian. Ron Simmons has to look for a partner um, in this big contest, and he ends up going with a guy who has got um, a lot going for him, and that is Tuchel Scorpio. Um, I like the idea of Simmons and Scorpio as a tag team. Um, I thought that they would have been great together. Um, and in this contest, they actually defeat Cactus and the Barbarian. They put an end to this feud. Um, Ron Simmons has, has vanquished his enemy, and now he's got a good, um, good, you know, buddy for himself here uh, with uh, Too Cold. Um, going on down the line, uh, uh, the fifth match on the card is the Great Muda versus Johnny B. Bad. Um, with this contest, again, I'm looking at uh, just uh, some. Some good stuff from Muda um, showing his ability to, uh, you know, come in and the crowd knows who he is. And he goes over Johnny B. Bad. Nothing, you know, too crazy. Um, just kind of a, you know, a simple showcase for him. Um, builds up to, you know, who he is. And, and you know, again, reminding people of, um, you know, what Muda is all about and what he can bring to the sport. Um, I think it's a, a, a simple showcase for him. Uh, pretty simple stuff for him to, to get a big win and, and go over. Um, you know, and that is our undercard here uh, in reality because now it's time to get to, uh, you know, the crux of what I want to do uh, with my um, with my titles. So, uh, let's start by talking about the um, the World Tag Team Championships. Now... Between Battle Bowl and um, between Battle Bowl and uh, Starcade, I actually have Arn Anderson and Steve Austin defeat um, the British Bulldog and um, Bret Hart for the for the U.S. Tag Team tag Titles. Um, you know, with that, Anderson and in uh, Austin get their um, they're upcoming, you know, they, they have their titles now, and uh, they're in a position to, uh, you know, really put themselves over. Um, my, the, So they're my U.S. champions. My WCW tag team champions and my NWA champions um, are formed due to some new guys coming in. So the first one is Dangerous Dan Spivey. Dangerous Dan comes in to join with Barry Windham as the NWA tag team champions. Um, I, I think those are two guys that look pretty similar, that can work well. Um, and, you know, in the end, I've got two big guys who have a lot of experience, NWA Tag Team Champions, some great stuff. Um, then I have uh, Kensuke Sasaki, who is um, a former, uh, you know, partner for, um, you know, a, a guy that Williams would have known from Japan, and he actually comes in and joins up with Steve Williams to be part of the um, the WCW Tag Team Champions. However, um, once he does that, 
This actually goes back to the feud that we talked about at Battle Bowl with Anderson, Rude, and Austin beating him up. And we we set up an angle in which Williams says, you know, he's going to be his partner. Well, that night it's going to be um, Sasaki and Williams versus Anderson and Austin. Um, but once and or they say that Sasaki's his partner, Rude, Anderson, and Austin beat the piss out of him. He's done. Sasaki can't wrestle, so Williams has to kind of go it alone in this handicap match, and that brings out the British Bulldog to be his partner. Um, so in this matchup, we've got Anderson and Austin, who are the U.S. champions. We've got uh, the British Bulldog and Steve Williams who are the uh, WCW champions, and then Spivey and William or Spivey and Wyndham are the NWA champions, and we're going to unify all these belts. Um, it's going to be you know a straight up you know triple threat triangle, whatever you want to call it. Um, in the end, Anderson and Austin are the winners. They are the ones that have all six titles, um, and this is also marking kind of the end of our of our run with the NWA. So um, when push comes to shove, everything's all said and done. Um, we have tag team champions Anderson and Austin um, walking out of there. They're, you know, of course, uh, come January they talk about you know putting over um, just WCW by itself, and um, you know it, it, it establishes those two guys are the best two tag team wrestlers in the world. Um, my WCW Television Championship match is Shawn Michaels versus Paul Orndorff. Um, I have Michaels go over. Like I said, he's going to be um, a great champion. Um, and he's going to be somebody that defeats everybody in his way. And uh, Orndorff is is the first, you know, uh, another uh, formidable uh, competitor, a formidable challenger uh, for Michaels. So he gets a big win there. Um, then I have my U.S. championship, Bret Hart versus Ravishing Rick Rude. And I have uh, Hart actually defeat Rude and, uh, you know, retain the U.S. championship. And, uh, you know, at this point, you know, Bret is is flying high he has done you know everything in this promotion already as a u.s champion a tag team champion and at this point he's defeated some of the biggest names uh in the company and then my main event now this goes against everything that you should normally do for a pay-per-view but um my guy in 1993 is going to be big van vader and big van vader defeats randy savage to win the wcw championship um, I think with all the time and effort that I put into making Vader a monster, it all comes to fruition here with him, uh, you know, finishing Savage off, um, plain and simple. You know, he, he walks away as the champion, as the top guy in WCW. I've got a pretty spectacular group of people coming up, um, that are going to be able to challenge him down the line. Um, but I think a heel Vader holding that title has got a lot more face competitors rather than Savage, who has really cleaned out the heel um, contingent, you know. And, and going into January, I would have Savage and Vader probably wrestle two more times and leading to, uh, you know, a big finish at the um, Super Brawl 3. Um, but in the end, it's it's Vader as the champion, and, and he's a guy that I don't see him losing that title for quite some time. Um, he's a guy that maybe wouldn't lose the title until Starcade next year. And, um, you know, if I do, if I do some more booking, um, you know, just from here, I know that a guy like Bret Hart is somebody that I'm going to build, build, build to, uh, go up against Vader. And when he does that, he has to put his U S title on the line. Um, but when Vader defeats him, 
or he actually, you know, it would be kind of a smash thing, but I think that Brett would come out of that match um, close to beating Vader, but it would come down to Brett then being injured and, and tore up and have to leave for a while until he comes back to challenge him again. But also in 93, I've got Ric Flair coming back. So that's a, a pretty interesting spot to be put in. Um, Anderson and Austin are just placeholder champions. They are the best, but I need to do my best to build up some other teams there. Um, and, yeah, I think that's kind of what WCW looks like for 93. Um, what do you, what do you, you got any, any kind of foresight with what you have done this year and what you would be doing in 93 with your guys? Um. <coughs> Well, like you said, I'm losing Flair, so the Royal Rumble would be where Sting wins. Um, and Flair had been my dominant champion throughout the years. Uh, so if Sting could go on for a run, uh, and like you said, if I booked the Royal Rumble, I would have to pick somebody that would be a good build-up for him at WrestleMania. Uh, and looking at my my heel side of guys, um, I, it's tough because like I kind of... Uh, Bigelow might be my guy. Like I said, I would do a quick change with him. So after his quick feud, the Razor, um, I would turn him heel. So maybe I have him run the Rumble and just be uh, turn heel during the build against Sting uh, for WrestleMania. Because really, I'm looking at the guys, and other than guys I already have things for, like Pillman and Rose would fight through the Rumble. I would keep that going to WrestleMania, even though it's a steel cage. That usually ends the feud. But I think I would want to keep that going. Well, Another set of pay-per-views, so I'd have that finish up at the at the uh, WrestleMania. But uh, yeah, I got a lot of babyface guys I could put up against, but not a lot of heel contenders uh, at, at the t- at the moment. So that would probably be where I'd go through WrestleMania. Uh, but like you said, as we continue on through the month, so many guys are coming and going during this time period. Like uh, February, I get Beefcake and I get Hogan back, and how can you not put Hogan in there? Uh, you know, Hogan and Sting would be interesting, but I, it would need a better build than February, March for WrestleMania. Uh, so that would probably be my end game. Like I would try to build that maybe for SummerSlam, uh, maybe face versus face. Although I did that the last SummerSlam with Dustin and Ricky Steamboat for the IC title. But yeah, we're talking main event guys here. Sting, who I've built throughout the whole '92, and Hogan coming in—that's a dream match anywhere. Uh, so that would probably be where I'd lead to SummerSlam. And then uh, the undercard would just be a mix of what I have going, just switching guys back and forth uh, with Steve Elton Rose uh, being the face guys for, like, the IC title side. Even perfect, I'd throw perfect in there. And then uh, Razor, Brian Pillman, guys like that going for the Intercontinental uh, Division. And then the Steiner Brothers just going to kill everybody and eventually win the tag titles over Money Incorporated going forward. Nice. So that that would be my, like, three championship angles going forward. All right. So, Patrick, let's put a a kibosh on here. Let's put the end to it. Um, I want to do some awards. I want you to tell me your MVP, your singles wrestler of the year, your tag team team of the year, and then uh, your feud of the year. And I'll let you think about it. I've been thinking about it, so I'm going to – I'll start things off here. Um, Without a shadow of a doubt, my single – wrestler of the year um and my mvp are randy savage he's a guy that came in and and took the wcw by storm um you know obviously a great world title run um from uh what i have from uh june until um until december so a pretty good you know run for him 
And then uh, my tag team of the year, um, I definitely think that Anderson and uh, Austin make a run for that because they do unify things in the end. Um, I think Bulldog and, and Brett are also two guys in the running there. I'd probably give the nod to Anderson and, and Austin, though, because of how they finished. Um, my uh, feud of the year would definitely be Rick Rude and Randy Savage. I think that one had um, the most uh, build to it. Um, these guys wrestled um, at Beach Blast. They wrestled at the Great American Bash. Um, they had issues at the Clash of the Champions in uh, uh, June. Um, and then, of course, they were in the War Games uh, back in May. So, um, again, my feud of the year, Randy Savage and Rick Rude. MVP, Randy Savage. Uh, single wrestler of the year, Randy Savage. And then um, Anderson and Austin are my uh, tag team of the year. Thanks. Uh, let's see, my feud of the year would have to be Sting and Flair. Um, yeah, I would like to say it would be Flair's group against Sting's group. But it really centered around Sting and Flair for most of the year. Um, and I would definitely go with that. As for my MVP of the year, uh, singles, uh, would both be Flair. Um, you know, T was a champion from day one and keeps championship the entire year from the Royal Rumble all the way through. Uh, he is the guy that I build my entire storyline behind, you know, my main event storylines behind was Flair. And he fought off, uh, Steamboat, Warrior, Sting, um, throughout different TV and pay-per-views throughout the year. So Flair is my guy there. My tag team of the year would have to be Money Incorporated only because, um, you know, they kept the titles throughout the, sh- the year, but nobody was a contender. I-, I mean, I had guys that fought them throughout the year. Legion of Doom would have been had they stuck around. If I could have kept them, uh, you know, if Hawk would have stayed throughout the year, uh, I could see them being my guys because they were going to be uh, my big tag team. They were going to defeat Money Incorporated at, uh, later on in the year in the fall, but they would have been the guys that, you know, did that. Uh, so it has to be Money Incorporated my tag team of the year. Um, but Flair is definitely my singles VIP and uh, MVP and wrestler of the year. Yeah. I, and I looked back at, at the draft, and I definitely would have loved to pick up Hawk and Animal um, because I would have been able to keep them the entire time um, due to the stipulations that we set out in the beginning. Um, and, and I think that Money, Inc. would have been a fun team to bring in, too. But when I looked at you know having Gordy and Williams come up, and I had Austin and, and Anderson right there, um, you know those are definitely some guys that I, I think would have done well. Another guy is Rick Martell. I think if I would have had one more pick, um, Rick Martell probably would have been my guy to just come in and be a good um, mid-card guy who's getting some wins and building up. Um, so if we were to do this over again and we were to set the slate um, you know, from where we're at right now and you got the first pick and you got to take somebody from WCW, who would you be taking um, that isn't a champion for me? Let's see here. Um, I would probably go with Randy Savage because he just lost the title. I could bring him in, you know, uh, with you finishing up your storyline with him losing the title to Vader. And, you know, uh, I think it would be perfect then for him to leave and come back. And I could throw him in with uh, Hogan to keep Hogan busy for a while uh, so he doesn't have to challenge Sting right away. Or I can even bring him in and, and be an immediate challenger to Sting if I wanted to. Um, so I think he would probably be my number one pick. Okay. Um, 
Hmm. Now, who's your Intercontinental Champion again? Uh, currently, it is Dustin Rose. Okay. And Ricky Steamboat doesn't have a title right now, right? Correct. And he would be my guy. Without a question, uh, without question, he would be the guy that I would bring right back. Um, I think Sting would be a guy that I wouldn't mind bringing back either. But I think that with Sting, you have to put him in that spot. And I don't want to do that yet. Because I've got a guy like, I've got Bret Hart, who's going to be coming in, uh, or coming off a great year. I don't want to lose him. Um, I've got Davey Boy Smith, who's also coming off a good year. I've got Ron Simmons, who's coming off a good year. But Ricky Steamboat is a guy that will be able to fluctuate and move around, and um, somebody I would have a lot of fun booking and building around for uh, 93, especially against a a guy like Vader as the world's champion. Um, I think that would be, you know, that those would be, he would be the guy that I would bring in without a question, um, you know, just to to come in and and have some good stuff with, uh, you know, Flair coming back in the fall, um, Sid coming back for WCW. Those are some big names, and um, you know, it'd be it'd be fun to see how we would uh, do it. And uh, you know, I definitely enjoyed this project with you. Um, I'm sorry that we were ha- had to do it so far apart, but I'm glad that we were able to finish it. Um, actually. Uh, we did it four four months apart, so um, you know definitely go back and and listen to our original um, episode there at episode ten um, with the trade and and go back and relive the first part here episode sixteen coming back and and finishing the second half of it. Um, Patrick, it's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to doing another project with you in the future. Um, any last comments that you have? No, this was fun. I enjoyed it. Like I said, uh, unfortunately, it was four months apart, but. Yeah, that was uh, just a scheduling problems, but hopefully the next one we'll be able to get, and maybe we won't have to make it a two-part, maybe it'll just be a one-part, but I definitely look forward to doing another project here. Absolutely, and that's one of the things, uh, you know, as I wrap up here with some business, um, I did put a... Uh, uh, a funding thing out there for in, in, any individuals that are interested in in donating. Um, we because like I said, like Patrick just said, we want to go unlimited um, with our our ability to to post the podcast. And um, myself and Dave Hall are kind of the, you know um, kind of co partnering this project. So um, you know any individuals that are interested in doing that, we'll definitely uh, have them on the show. Um, you know something small so that. Uh, we can continue to put forth a good product and and put it out there and and get people interested. I think that's one thing that the Low Blow Booking Podcast is all about, and that is um, giving individuals like yourself an open forum to come in and state your ideas and and really put over some of the things that you like about um, some of the situations that we talk about and give you an opportunity, man. You know, I hear so many times of people doing podcasts where it's only them. Um, and it's like, you know, it's fun to have some guests on and give people an opportunity, uh, to speak and, and, and see what, what's on their minds. So, um, you've definitely been a a fun guest to have on and, um, you know, I look forward to some of the projects we're going to do in the future. Um, I do know that the next podcast will be myself and Dave Hall, and we are actually going to be, um, bookmarking from where we are at with this podcast. Dave and myself will be looking at WCW 1993 um, but we'll be looking at it with the roster that they had and how do we, um, you know, how do we work this thing? Um, you know, no offense to David, even the last time we spoke, he was really confused as what was big in 93, you know, um, it, it, it is the sandwich year between the dangerous Alliance of 92 and then, uh, Hogan coming in in 94. So how can we, um, you know, in hindsight, know what these things are and really build up a good product. So, 
Um, Patrick, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. Um, again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, give us a like, give us a share, give us a, you know, um, some love out there. Let your friends know about the Lobo Booking Podcast and, uh, you know, let me know, Derek Cornett, know if you've got some ideas. Um, like us there on Facebook. Um, we're on Pro Wrestling Only and Podbean and iTunes. So, um, we're out there, man. Um, Give us a shot and, uh, you know, definitely uh, get people talking and, and get some more ideas. You know, it's it's fun to think about what are things that we could do differently. And uh, uh, I really enjoy having the opportunity to do it. So, uh, Patrick, I wish you well. Uh, continue to be a good referee and call it right down the line, okay? All right. Excellent. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. Thank you. All right.